Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. Um, I'm Heather Brinsanti. You know that. Uh, finally, 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 after months and months of trying to connect uh, for podcast recording, my guest today is Samuel Broden. Hi, Samuel. Hi, Heather. Oh, my gosh. Yay. I know. So back and forth, back and forth. But we're here. We are amazing. here. Um, it's wonderful. And I'll say most of it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> either forgetting or having to reschedule or whatever but um but I'm glad we're finally uh on screen together here talking um we did meet in real life we met in October we in Texas we did yes so that was nice um okay so Samuel tell people what uh you want them to know about you before we start our conversation yeah wow let's see um yeah my name is Samuel Broden I am the owner of Honoring Childhood you can find us over on Instagram at Honoring Childhood um, I've been in the early education field since 2005, um, and now I'm just working to help support and mentor educators and admin and just get out some of these wonderful ideas on childhood and just letting children be who they are and kind of taking that control piece out of it. Um, but yeah, that's that's me. I just, I love childhood. I love nature. I love conversations with children um all of that so yeah, yeah that's me all right um well so i heard you at ipa uh the ipa usa conference in texas last fall i'll just put out a, that put that out for anyone who hasn't already checked out ipa usa yes. um, <laughs> um and i heard you talk there about weapon play and um, that is a topic that i recorded an episode about but it was a long time ago but it's a topic that i um, have changed my mind about over the course of, you know, the 30 years that I've been doing this. <laughs> um, so I like to talk about it and I like to put some of those ideas and some of those, some of the things that changed my mind, um, out to other people occasionally. And, um, I told you before we started recording that when I listened to your presentation at IPA, um, even though I had already changed my mind, you presented perspectives I hadn't considered um, before specifically, you know, I had never thought, thought um, you know, sort of intentionally about those ideas. So I'm so glad that you're here. Um, we have to start with a quote. That's the rule. Let's do it. <laughs> so this comes from a book called We Don't Play With Guns Here, War, Weapon and Superhero Play in the Early Years by Penny Holland. It's part of a great book series from the UK called Debating Play that um it's 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 you know not super new but uh but it's good so anyway this is just a very general introduction to our conversation from the very first page of the preface of the book um 
So Penny Holland writes, uh, for approximately the past 30 years in early year settings in primary schools in England, we've operated with a zero tolerance approach to this area of play. This means children are not allowed to bring manufactured toy weapons into settings to construct weapons from construction, technology, or found materials, and are not allowed to enact scenarios associated with superhero war or play fighting. Same could be said of the United States. You know, yes, she's... yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then she uh, just, you know, a couple sentences down, she says, um, as a parent and early years practitioner, I supported this approach to war weapon and superhero play believing it to be consistent with my feminist and pacifist principles. And I enforced this policy, this approach rigorously. Um, so that was sort of, that's a, that's a nutshell description of, of me. It really was my, <laughs> my pacifism. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, was really guiding uh, the kind of play that I was yeah, um, you know, deeming to be valuable or not valuable or dangerous mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, so talk now, Samuel, talk about it. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that that's interesting because um, it is one of those things I think that we've all kind of grown accustomed to the fact of like it's just it's just an automatic no mm -hmm. like there's no there's no reason to think about it there's no anything and sometimes I think even <clears throat> even just out of habit will will just say no we'll stop the play we'll interrupt it all of those things and that's how I was for like the longest time um, really up until about maybe like two or three years ago uh, is when I really started like changing my mind on why I was saying no to this type of play, why um, I was not allowing it um, really just having that kind of reflection on what, what the why is for, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the no is for. And I think that that's something really important in the work that we do. Like we should always be wondering like, why is it that I'm saying no to this? Why is it that I'm not, allowing this type of play and when we kind of can take that step back and take that self-reflection piece and really think is it because of me like is it something in me that's uncomfortable with this is it something in me that doesn't really care for this um and just really trying to unpack that because for me at least just because something makes me uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's not something that the children should be able to do um and I think, you know, that's that's a hard thing for a lot of us to um, to process um, and to kind of get out of that being uncomfortable with that type of play and just really looking at it um, as what it is and looking at it as obviously this is something that the children enjoy doing. So maybe we can dig a little bit deeper and, you know, not just go with that automatic <clears throat> response of, you know, it's not allowed or, or we don't do that. Um, so that's really kind of how I started this whole kind of shift of my thinking in terms of this type of play is just really trying to just take the time to rethink <clears throat> and think a little bit more deeply as to like, why my response was what it was mm -hmm. um and <clears throat> i've told this story a thousand times and anyone who listens to this who's already heard this story is going to be like <laughs> they could probably say it there's always and, new people that's what i tell myself there's always someone who hasn't always, heard it yet. always at least somebody new <laughs> um <clears throat> i was uh i was working as a kindergarten teacher at a forest school and this is where this idea really kind of took 
took flight for me i i was noticing a lot of this type of play because we were in the forest all day long Mm -hmm. um and so that's a huge part of what the children were doing sticks and rocks and all that all of that stuff was happening and i was saying you know no we don't do that we don't do that here we don't do that here and one day i just noticed it and i was like okay i need to like take a step back and think a little bit more about why this is because clearly they're they're going to do it and they're really enjoying it yeah um and so i just decided myself that i wanted to hear from them about this kind of play and what they enjoyed about it and you know having having a conversation with them and it's funny because i i had a conversation with them and i and i started talking with them about it and they all immediately thought they were in trouble yeah um which is like kind of it's not a gun (laughs) <laughs> yes they were like oh i was like, i think i said something like oh i noticed that that um you all like to play with the sticks and you pretend they're guns and all this and they were like immediately like no no we yeah don't do that. What are you talking about and it took like five minutes for me to just like really convince them that like you're yeah. not in trouble and i just really want to talk to you yeah. <laughs> um and so even that kind of gave me like a little more insight as to like wow like what what I've been saying to them, this automatic no, what they've been hearing throughout their life, like it's already ingrained in them that like, this is something that's bad. Yeah. Uh, and so really just trying to unpack that. And we just had a conversation about it. And I just asked them, you know, what, what do you like about it? Why do you do it? Um, and then we, we talked just a little bit about how, <clears throat> how we can still participate in this type of play while still keeping each other safe and being kind to each other. Um, that those were kind of our our agreements in our classroom, um, being kind to ourselves, being kind to others, and being kind to the environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, if if what you're doing falls within that, then you're good. I don't. It doesn't matter to me what you're doing, right? Um, and so, really, just having conversations with them surrounding that, and then it was it was such a great conversation with them because they led so much of it. And I kind of came into the conversation with no um, no goal in mind, really. I kind of just wanted to see what was going to happen. Um, and we got to talk about some really great things. Um, we talked about consent a lot, um, which is something that I was wanting to, to talk with them about, mm-hmm. but trying to find the right way to talk with them about something like that. And so it came up so naturally and organically in this conversation. And we had a really great kind of kind of time together as like our little community. <laughs> and we kind of collectively came up with these, you know, agreements as to how, if we're going to play this, that's fine. How are we going to do it? You know? And, <clears throat> you know, we also had to have conversations about, you know, sometimes if I'm not here one day, the other teachers here might not think the yeah. same way that we're thinking so we have to make sure that we're remembering that as well um and and it was great and it's funny because i i tell that story a lot and <clears throat> i never want people to feel like i'm like okay i had this really great conversation with the kids and now everything was great and <laughs> you what I did. because yeah. literally it, it was an ongoing conversation sure. that continued that afternoon while we were outside like we had to it's those constant reminders But when it got to the point when I was observing them and listening to them and I was hearing them say those things between themselves, um, hearing them say, like, are you being kind to so-and-so? You know, they said they want to stop and you're not stopping. We need to Mm -hmm. stop. Hearing them advocate for themselves and for each other, um, 
is really what we want them to learn and want them to do right and so it was just a really great um experience for me and then it really just led me down this path of like okay like let me really figure out what what this is about and and what they can gain from it because so many people i feel like are afraid of allowing children to do it because they don't want children to be mean or violent or hurt each other um but what's interesting is those things didn't really happen any more than normal when I was allowing this type of play. Like it wasn't some huge thing where now all of a sudden they all like mm-hmm. were punching each other all day long. Right. Um, it didn't really change like the behavior into like a more negative way. They they actually became more empathetic to each other yeah. um, through this kind of play and just, you know, the the just trusting them to to be able to handle this and do this on their own, I think also really helped to give them that confidence. And I don't know, it was just, it was just really great. So that's kind of how, that's kind of how the whole journey started for me. Yeah. I, I made a bunch of notes while you were talking. (laughs) I want to go back to, but um, the, the, you know, one of the first things you talked about as you told that story um, was that there's adult discomfort that we have to um sort of welcome and that's so hard because it's discomfort right none of us want to intentionally feel bad um or have negative you know experiences or whatever so so I feel like that's one of the reasons that this is still a pretty hard sell one of the reasons I think there's a list of reasons um to those others you know the other teacher you you, you mentioned when you were right. talking about children, you know, sometimes it might be another teacher who's not as comfortable with this. So I don't know, how do we, how do we convince another adult that the discomfort is worth it? It's, it's hard. It's <laughs> Answer hard. that big question for me. Right. It, it is. It's hard because you're right. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable, right? And then when you're trying, when, what's the nicest way I could say this? When you're working with people who have been working in the field for a very long time, yeah. um, it's harder to shift their mindset, right? So I found yes. it easier to bring up these ideas with teachers who are coming into the field, younger teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I found it a lot more difficult trying to have this conversation with teachers who have been in the field for a long time, right? Yeah. So, and for me, I always say this, whenever I talk about weapon play, whenever I talk about this, my goal is not to have every school that's listening to this now go and let all their kids play weapon play like that is really not what my goal is because every program is different and we have to respect the lived experiences mm-hmm. of the families and children in our programs right so there are going to be programs where this type of play is just not appropriate because of the community and the environment that the children and the families are living in at that time yeah. <clears throat> so there's a lot to unpack around that, right? And that's that's something that is kind of newer for me in this in this whole like journey of weapon play is is how do we support children and families who are in areas of the country or areas of the world where their sons are getting killed for playing with pretend guns, right? Like so how yeah. can we how can we acknowledge that and and you know understand that kind of life experience so for me so much of it comes down to conversation period like everything that's always something that I that I 
do all the time. But especially with this, I feel like so much of this comes down to conversation, whether it's conversation with the children, um, the adults that we work with, the families, yeah. anything like that. Um, Cause it is, it's a, it's a very uncomfortable thing. It's a very scary thing, especially with this kind of collective trauma that we're all living through right yeah. now. Right. Um, <clears throat> so honestly, that's, that's kind of how I go about it. I don't, I want to make sure that when I'm talking to someone about this, that I'm not, that I'm making sure that they understand that I'm not trying to change your philosophy on this specifically. I'm trying to help you to think just a little bit differently mm -hmm. about this and then also about just the reasonings behind why you say and do the things that you do and why there are certain things that are or are not allowed in your classroom. Right. Um, Zero tolerance is definitely easier for yes. the adults, right? Because we can yes. just say, well, this exactly. is our rule and it's just because. Exactly, um, exactly. It's just, it's more so about starting that conversation and trying to figure out a little bit more deeply, like why, why is this not allowed where you are uh -huh. and unpacking kind of that. And then once you've unpacked that, and once you've figured out the reasoning, it's because I'm uncomfortable. It's because of the rules. It's because of the community we live in, whatever it is, then we can kind of take the next step and figure out, okay. How can we move forward with this? How can we support children in this type of play? How can we support children? Um, how can we support children who are experiencing this in their actual life? Mm -hmm. How can we support them in the trauma that that creates? Um, yeah, for me, it's really just that conversation. I feel like yeah. I kind of just, but it's really Perfect. about- That's what we do here. <laughs> I yeah, like, so, you know how like you start talking and then you're like, wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got to tell you, I, um, a couple of days ago, I recorded with Rusty Keeler um, and I'm already nervous when he's on. Totally. And there were like three times that I started just like babbling and, <laughs> and, and I would pause to see if he was going to make anything of it. And he was just <laughs> looking at me like, I don't know what you want me to do. So, um, so it's, it's welcomed here, I guess I'll say. Um, so the other thing that in your story that stood out to me is <clears throat> when we, when you talked about when you first approached them and they automatically assumed they were in trouble, I, I feel like there's two ways for an adult to interpret that one is kind of what you talked about. They've already been taught this lesson that this is something they should avoid. I feel like there are other adults who would see that and say, see, inherently they know that it's wrong <laughs> and put this, this morality lens on it. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think we have to be really, that's part of being reflective, right. As we become aware of those. That is... also... <laughs> and that, and that's exactly right. That's exact. And that's, I mean, those are really the two, those are really the two type of people, the two type of teachers that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, are the teachers who are like, oh, yeah, wow, they must, that's pretty sad. They've been ingrained in this already. And then yeah. there's the ones who are like, yep. Yeah. But it's um, so, it's so, um, it, it's constant. It's, it's in every group of children I've ever worked with over, you know, lots of years of working with young children. Um, it's, it's not just in the United States that children are, are doing gunplay, you know, so that tells me that, that it's, 
whenever I see that kind of persistent repetition of a play theme, that tells me that it's important to <clears throat> childhood and to individual that's, children. Yeah. And, and and if that's the case, then I need to figure out how can I process this with them like you're describing. Yeah, I mean, and and I think about it in terms of myself too. Like I I played that way, you mm -hmm. know, when I was a kid. Like those are the things that we played, you know. Um cops and robbers and those types of things, right? That's yeah. that's just how we played when I was younger. And you know, we were outside on our own. Yeah. And those were just things that we did. And it's it's one of those things where you think about it, it's like I I know this is a type of play that these children are going to explore at some point. Um, some more than others, some maybe not at all. Um, but I would much rather have a conversation with them about this type of play, talk with them about how you can still explore this and still be respectful and kind to the people around us and the world around us than kind of shunning this type of play, making it sound bad, making it seem like something really bad that they're doing and then have them still go do it anyways. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I, I would just rather talk to them about it. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned when you're having conversations like that, um, that maybe wouldn't, wouldn't be able to be learned if you had just decided like, nope, sorry, we're not going to do this. And I'm not going to talk to you about it. And this is just the way that it is. Yeah. Because that goes so much more too. like, for me, at least, <clears throat> I don't want these children to grow up to be people who are just like, okay, that's the way it is. Guess what I got to yes. do it. <laughs> right? That's like right. the opposite of what we, of what mm -hmm. at least I want children to be like, you know, and I have a hard time saying things like that i have a hard time being like no actually i don't like this and this is mm -hmm. why um and i have a hard time doing that yeah because that was never given to me you know as a child because that's just not what they do and so it's like i'm wanting something better for them mm -hmm. than what i had and so that's what this is all about yeah. it's it's about um just teaching them and showing them that they have power in the things that they're interested in the things yeah. that they want to talk about the things that they want to do like everything is is valid and and able to be kind of talked about um, yeah you know we 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 hear a lot and some of us talk a lot about uh not not necessarily me unless i'm being critical of it <laughs> the return on investment narrative uh -huh. for uh -huh. for what we do with children in the early childhood programs and settings that we have and it's almost always uh you know, financial or yes. they don't go to prison or they, you know, whatever. That's cool. Those are good things. Yeah. Um, but I think about when I think about return on investment, I would rather focus on what you're describing, right? Like you, you're putting your, your time, your brain, your, your passion, your vision, whatever you're, you're investing all of that in this group of children, you know, for example, in the story you're told, because you, you see, the future value of a generation given that different experience. Does that make sense? See, here's one of those moments where I'm kind of just talking in no, circles and not sure I'm making sense, but I think there's, there's a whole different return on investment that we don't talk about that can come from building community and seeing children as, um, as Mike Huber would say, experts in their mm -hmm. own development. Yes. Um, yes. And, and so I think that's mm -hmm. such an opportunity that, that we have that we don't often accept. 
No, and I think it's interesting that you brought up that whole return on investment idea because it's like <laughs> I feel like so much of that, and this is probably another whole another conversation. I know that's so, what happens. So much of that is like rooted in this I is rooted in this idea of capitalism, right? Yes. We need children to do what we say. We need them to do when we want them to do it. Mm-hmm. They need to sit here, they need to listen so they can be productive members of society, which basically means going off and being a sheep to some yes. corporation but, not you know, to not rock the capitalist patriarchal exactly. white supremacist boat <laughs> yes 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 exactly exactly oh my gosh okay so i guess i want to um uh go go now towards um maybe some of the 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 reasons that it's valuable you know, we've talked mm-hmm. about about reflecting about whether it's going to be allowed or not. But now why? What happens if we decide to say yes? I mean, I talked about a little bit, but it's like these, yeah. these bigger ideas that we want the children to learn, right? These bigger ideas of advocating for themselves and their agency and their body, standing up for others who can't do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um being able to speak up when they are uncomfortable, being able to, um, being able to say, I don't like this and I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm going to step away. You need to stop all those types of things. These ideas of consent, all of that are, are such important things for these children to learn Mm -hmm. because again, it's ingrained in them that they don't have a voice that they are not allowed to say no mm-hmm. to an adult, that they owe adults affection, they owe adults like good behavior, all of these types of things. Blind right? compliance. Yes, that yeah. adults put on them. Um, there was something that I saw going around. I don't know if you had shared it, someone mm-hmm. on Facebook that said, someone did, that said um, something that their child brought home from school and it was like the beginning of school and it said something like, what do I need to do for school? And it, one of them said, make oh. my teacher happy. Oh yeah, I didn't share that, but I saw it. Yeah, that and I'm just say, and I was just like, oh my god, what? <laughs> if you need a child to make sure that you're happy, you have some serious work right. to do. <laughs> yes, but but it's all of those <laughs> ideas. I think that that for me are the most important things. Um, that I think this type of play, or at least this type of conversation, is the is a really good way for them to like organically learn those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Because a lot, they're not, they're not going to be, they're not going to learn those things if you are controlling the play that they have, if you're controlling the activities that they're doing, if you're controlling the interactions that they're having with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, but then it's, it's, it's really all about children learning themselves and who they are. Um, it's all about children learning how to communicate and interact with other people, mm-hmm. um, conflict resolution. So many of those things that we want children to learn that we try to get them to learn by telling them a story. Or I was going to say reading a book about about, yeah, <laughs> about it exactly. and, and then saying, well, you've heard the information. Yeah, good luck. Go do it. Go out and do it. Exactly. But it's like when we're giving them these organic things to do and and it they're they're gonna learn it so much better it's gonna stick with them longer all of those things that we already know Mm -hmm. um 
And, you know, I, I talk about benefits of weapon play a lot, you know, and a lot of critics of that just say like, well, they can learn that another way. Yeah. They can learn that. They can learn that another way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that they probably could, but there's a deeper underlying thing here. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is just that piece of allowing children to have control. Right. Over I was just going to say control. Yes. And that's, that's so such important. a big issue. So many adult, the majority of teachers that I've seen and worked with, the reasons why things, the reasons why they do things in their classroom is because of control. Yes. They want to have control over the children. Um, they want to have this perceived power over them. Um, I mean, they say all the time, right? The children are out of control. Yep. What does that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. They're out of your control because it's too much for you or you can't, whatever. Um, that's the deeper underlying thing here for me um, with this type of play, because mm-hmm. we want to raise children who are strong in who they are, who understand their bodies, their limitations, their comfort level, um, and who are able to empathize and understand those things in others as well. Um, yeah. So for me, that's like, mm-hmm. that's like the biggest thing that yeah. I've noticed the children gain from this because even <clears throat> the children who were in that classroom, that was like two, three years ago now, I still am friends with a lot of their family and families, and mm-hmm. they'll share with me things that are happening <clears throat> now in elementary school where they are controlled. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're talking about things and they're doing things and they're like exploring these ideas that we talked about when they were with me. Right. I had one of the moms reach out to me and say that her daughter had got in trouble at school Yeah, or talking back to the teacher. Oh God. It's like, what did, <clears throat> what did she say? And she basically was like the teacher had said something to her and she didn't like the way she said it to her. And she told her that she didn't like the way she said it to her. Ugh. And I was like, Oh my God, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> like, yes. You tell that teacher, tell her you don't like that. Yeah. And so, like these ideas they they stick and that's that's what i want to see out of the children right mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah i i think about the focus on um uh social emotional learning and um i don't i i, I don't even like that phrase anymore <laughs> like or to see just sel it, yes. because it so often is just a euphemism for compliance or you know or yes. in, increasing compliance um and cooperation uh mm-hmm. and ignores development but if if we were letting them have these experiences that you're describing they would have so much practice with mm-hmm. the stuff that we think they're missing and requires these later sel efforts and programs and curriculum kits and um uh poster campaigns and whatever else you so when you were um you said a minute ago uh, when you talked about the stuff that kids might be learning when they're engaged in this kind of play and another person saying, well, they can learn that in other ways. Um, you know, what they're talking about is they can learn that in a way that I'm more comfortable with, or they can exactly. learn that in a way that I'm directing and leading. Yes, exactly. Um, but we know, we should know, there's no reason not to know at this point in our um, civilization that um Intrinsic motivation is what drives real connection to ideas and experiences, and that's learning, right? And the 
endorphins that are produced when you're having a positive play experience. It, that's what keeps you curious and keeps you drive, you know, drives you to continue. And that leads to learning. So mm-hmm. it's just such a disconnect for me that I feel like, um, you know, for me, it just seems so, so obvious, but I think it's, yeah. I don't know, teacher scripts get in the way and. No, definitely. And, and I mean, I will say like a lot, there are a lot of people who, who talk with me about this, who are legitimately concerned, let's just say about, like we talked about before, children and programs in, in communities where they have violence as yes, let's, I want, I'm glad you brought that back. So it's like, there are people who are like, I don't know about this. Like, this is Mm -hmm. just something that is not going to be allowed because so many of these children have experienced this type of violence in their, in their home and in their family. And I was talking with someone the other day about this and it brought up this idea for me where we also have to think about when we're talking about things like this and offering this type of play, I'm speaking from a place of privilege that I need to recognize Mm -hmm. Right, that in the programs that I've worked with, this is something that can't be easily talked about. Um, And there are other areas where it's where it wouldn't be. And that's why I talk about the importance of this conversation, because Mm -hmm. let's say we are working in a program where there is you know, violence in the community and the children have experienced this in their families and all of this. So that's trauma that the children are going through. And more likely than not, it's not something that's talked about in their home. Mm-hmm. The families are wanting to shield them from it, which is understandable. They don't want to bring those things into the home. They don't want to talk about these things. So the children are left with things that they're seeing, things that they're hearing. They're not understanding. They don't know how to work through these feelings and and have someone listen to them right yeah not to mention the families too probably are dealing with this and not knowing how to talk about it and so being able to offer a space for all children where maybe this isn't something that we can play because it means something different in our lives but this is a safe space where we Mm -hmm. can discuss how you're feeling about these things um what it makes you think about, what it makes you scared about, we can safely have those conversations and work through these emotions and this trauma that you're kind of experiencing and that we would be collectively uh, experiencing and mm-hmm. just giving them the, the space to do that, um, I think I think is really, really important. So that's why when I say like, I'm not trying to get everyone to play with weapons all the time, because I understand that in some areas and some programs, that's just not going to be something that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have to, we have to understand and respect the lived experiences of, of the people and the families that we work with, mm-hmm. but the conversation is the most important piece. Yeah. That's what the most important piece is because whether or not I had had these children do weapon play, we were still having these conversations around consent. We were still having these conversations around speaking up for yourself and it's okay to say no and all of these types of things. <clears throat> Those things that we're talking about, the children learning, these kind of uh, powerful kind of who I am as myself kind of feelings, they can learn that through the conversation as well. And they can learn that through the other experiences that we provide in the classroom and during the day, right? Mm -hmm. Because weapon play is not the only type of play that we should be allowing the children to do freely and we don't have any control over, right? (laughs) The children should be doing whatever they want to do throughout the day. Um, It doesn't matter what what 
area we're in or what activity it is that we're doing. Like the children should be free to play and move and learn. And we're there to guide that. And right. And it's, it's not like, um, I went to this workshop and they said weapon play is really valuable. So we're going to start, we're going to open a weapon center in the classroom. <laughs> we're going to have it on the shelf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to schedule time for it on this, on the lesson plan. You know, it's, it's, it is just holding space for it when it appears in their play yes. Yes. and, and figuring out then when I see it, mm-hmm. how will I respond? How will I know what they need from me Yes. as a result of, yes. of seeing it? It's, it's like so much else. We observe what's important to them and that should guide our thinking and, mm-hmm. and acting with young children. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, even those, even children in, in areas where there is violence, they might still act those things out because that's what they're seeing and that's what they're hearing about. And that's how they make sense of their world. Exactly. It, it's sort of taking the power into their own play. Exactly. And so by allowing that or supporting that in the way that is is right for our specific community and our specific program is such a great way for the children to not only work through those feelings, but to also understand that, again, what they think, what they feel, what they say, all of those things matter. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are important because again, so often like adults just don't respect children. Yes. Period, right? Right. But children are never like the things that they're feeling, the things that they're saying like are never actually valid to adults because we hear it all the time, especially, oh God, like going to the grocery store or something, right? Yeah. Uh. It's like having is crying about something. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I'm not fine. Actually. Right. right. (laughs) And so it's like, they're in that thing again, like they were when they thought they were in trouble, they're ingrained in this idea of like, my feelings don't matter. What I have to say doesn't matter. And by creating a space where we're allowing their ideas and we're allowing their emotions and their feelings to be free Mm -hmm. and to be celebrated and to be talked about. Um, It's going to lead to them just being so much more emotionally healthy as they grow up. And um, that's, I mean, that's what so many of us are spending so much money in therapy trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there is (laughs) a a mental health connection to a lot of the way, a lot of our responses to play Mm -hmm. as a field, but um, one of the things that that was really impactful for me when I was um, starting to change my mind, and I was one of those people who'd been doing it a long time, you know, and and um, uh, was changing my mind later in my career. But one of the things was the idea that um, when children show you something in play, they're showing you what they're interested in, what they think is important, and what they're curious about. Mm-hmm. And when we just blankly stop it, and say that's bad, you know, mm-hmm. when we throw that that morality layer onto their ideas, but also that that value judgment, mm-hmm. uh, they're consistently getting the message that my ideas are bad, and what my body's telling me I I should be doing is is bad, and so am I bad? And and how does that process as re- those repeated experiences? Um, can really, you know, have a negative impact on emotional development, mental health. Um, So even, yeah, you know, when you're saying, I'm not saying everybody should change their mind and allow it. 
you're just suggesting that we take it seriously, right? When children show it to us, we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's 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 all about just thinking a little bit deeper about mm-hmm. the work that we do and why we do the way that we why we do things the way that we do them. And you know that self reflection piece is such a huge piece of the work that we do, right? Yeah. Because every single day there's something. When I come back home, I'm like, Ugh, I really should have said that differently, yeah. or I shouldn't have done that, you know. And that's going to happen all the time because we're working with children, right? But it's that self-reflection piece where we think about, okay, I that's not how I wanted this to be. Why did that happen that way? What caused me to say that or, or respond that way? Mm-hmm. And what can I do differently going forward? And so that's really what it's about. It's just thinking more deeply about topics that have always just been automatically something that we don't do or something that we do do right (laughs) there's there's all these things that i think are are part of this traditional early education that really need that deeper look Mm -hmm. um, to really figure out if what we're doing is right for Mm -hmm. children what we're doing is supportive and all of those things so I mean, that's what, that's really what it comes down to for me. You know, there are really great things that the children can learn from this type of play. Um, But it's, it is, it's about opening your mind a little bit more, um, digging just a little bit deeper into your own lived experiences Mm -hmm. and your own kind of journey in, in early education and what has brought you to this space. And then just allowing yourself to number one be uncomfortable and number two just allow yourself to trust in the children Mm -hmm. they they know themselves they know the things that they want to do and the things that they like and when we show them that we trust them in that they believe in themselves even more Mm -hmm. because the person that they look up to is trusting them and is saying that these things are okay um and that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to think deeply about the things that you do. It's hard to reflect on things that you do and try to figure out why. It's hard to change your way of thinking mm-hmm. about about things like this. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, hopefully we're all here to try to make a better world for the children and make better experiences for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's just part that's part of what we sign up for when we get into this field, right? Is is being able to make these changes and advocate for what we feel like is 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 right for children, whether it's something that we've done forever or something that we've never done. Yeah. And the word we haven't used, but has been sort of underlying all of this is relationship, right? It yes. it, it gives children um reflective, reflective teachers, I think, are better at creating those safe attached um, positive relationships where we know learning happens best and development happens best. Um, And so we're giving them a chance to try these things out within the context of a safe relationship with an adult. And I mean, just about like what, what we're modeling for them by doing these self-reflective practices where they're seeing from us, again, somebody who is an important adult in their life that they look to, they're seeing that person 
think differently about the way that they're saying things, Mm -hmm. apologizing to children, thinking of things and being like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. How can I change it? Or I don't know how to do this. Let's work together. Like Mm -hmm. they're learning all these things like, wow, I don't really have to know everything. I don't have to stick with one way. It's okay to change my mind. It's okay to think differently. Um, and those, those are great things for them to, to know as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so it's about probably time to wrap up. Is there anything you wanted to make You're sure right. you, you, you right. talk, I know, <laughs> talked about or mentioned that you haven't, that we haven't hit yet or. I mean, honestly, just, just allow children to be, have conversations with them, trust them yeah. and just think differently about the work that we do. It's not, I mean. It's hard, but that's what's so important about building this community of other educators mm-hmm. who are thinking the same way or working through the same things because it is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And especially if you're working in a program that is very traditional or is very against these kind of um, progressive. I was going to say progressive. <laughs> um, yes. These progressive ideas, right? Um, it can be really hard to be the teacher who believes in these things or who Mm -hmm. wants to work towards these things. Right. And so that's another reason why this kind of building of this community that, that, that we're all building together is important as well, because it's like, I could be at school here in Portland and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm having such a hard day, but I know that so-and-so is out here rooting for me and they're over here rooting for me. And I can come back to these, you know? Um, But yeah, it's just, it, it's hard, but it's part of, you know, what we sign up for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. This is, I think people are really going to connect to this, to this conversation. Um, So I appreciate your, your time and, uh, and your brain and your heart and all that stuff. (laughs) What? So let's tell them once, once more, how to find you, where to find you. um, Find me over on on Instagram at honoring childhood. That's where I do most of my stuff. Um, My website, honoringchildhood.org. Uh, my podcast, Honoring Childhood, everything is the same name, Honoring uh-huh. Childhood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out and reach out to me. Like I love talking about this kind of stuff, as I'm sure you could tell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, go check out what I'm doing and yeah, let's, let's talk some more. Cause I like to talk. I love talking about really anything that has to do with childhood mm-hmm. and with people who actually love talking about childhood is great because yes. I'll talk about this stuff all day with my husband and he's like, Oh, cool. Uh, oh, yeah, that's nice. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's why we start podcasts, right? To trick yes. people into talking about childhood with us. <laughs> All right. Well, this was really great. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks again. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.